they called him the Hammer. That was his nickname. He used to, you know, he used to put a lot of seats, people in the seats, apparently, because as soon as they dropped the puck, he'd just grab somebody and start feeding them, you know. And he was drunk on the ice a lot, is the stories I hear. You know, he'd put a 40 down before the game. They'd go out, drop the puck, and he'd just go toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody. And apparently he wasn't a very good fighter. He got beat a lot, but the crowd used to love it. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 44 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Johnny Cullen, joined alongside Dwayne Stanell, as always. And Dwayne, we got a special one today. Um, EJ Heratic. Is, we're, pl we're pleased to, to have him join us here. Uh, for those of you that haven't been living on the planet Earth, EJ has been a senior reporter and host at the NHL Network. I uh, spent some time scouting for the Dallas Stars in the late 90s. Also was part of the original group to launch NHL or ESPN the magazine uh, and spending 13 years there. And current coach of the Jersey Shore Whalers 16U team, EJ Raddick, thanks for being here, man. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And the only thing I would say is I'm, a, I'm the assistant coach. Stan Gutt is the head coach, but I'm happy to be the assistant and I'm happy with our group and it's a lot of fun. And thanks for having me. EJ, I, like I said, man, like Cully stole a little of my thunder there, but uh, you know, he's real good with the introductions, but I will say <laughs> this, man, like when I tweeted at you, um, obviously most from Buffalo here knows I had my, my 15 minutes of the sun back last January when what I did on WGR 550 here kind of went like went you know viral, but uh, it, nothing could have honestly compared to when I tweeted at you. And not only did you like follow me, but you DM me yourself, and like yeah. that in that moment right there, honest to God, <laughs> I, I can't. DJ, I followed you for a long time. I've respected you for a long time. You're kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to get into journalism uh, right out of high, like out of high school when I uh, when I went to college. Um, you know, that moment, how that felt for me, just like, holy hell, EJ Raddick not only just followed me, but he DM'd yeah. me. That was like my my real moment in the sun there for like a, a solid 10 minutes. I was on cloud nine. I just want to thank you, man, because you well, really have listen. been kind of like an inspiration for me as far as like, you know, back back when I was 21 years old, like wanting okay. to get into the world of journalism and hockey and whatnot. I, after well, thanks thanks old. very much. Thanks very much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Uh, I've kind of been on like, uh, I've had a dream kind of run. I came from, uh, I grew up in Westchester County in New York, outside of New York City, and was really had no connection to the hockey world whatsoever. I was three kids and my mom growing up uh, in a one bedroom apartment. And uh, I've been able to kind of, my love and passion for sports and in particular hockey has allowed me to, to kind of have the career that I've had. So listen, 
I'm thrilled to have people that have been been watching all these years, that have been following all these years. And, uh, you know, if I can be an inspiration in any way to anybody, I'm really happy about that. And uh, believe me, it's uh, it's not a big deal on my end. I mean, if I don't have people out there watching and paying attention, I mean, I'm not doing what I'm doing. And I've been very blessed to be in the in the situation I've been in. So thank you for uh, for watching all these years. My, my dad used to get uh, the subscription to ESPN, the magazine way back when. Well, and that thing was massive, bro. Big. That thing was massive. You big. only knew when it was in the mail. It was huge. Like your yeah. sports illustrators are just like normal size. ESPN was yeah. just packed with content. I loved it. Yeah, well, we were different. We were different. As a, as a big fan of long form journalism, you know, I followed you too. And, and like you said, your passion for the game leaks through into everything you do. I think that's why you're such a treat for us to, to watch um, what you guys have been doing at NHL Network. And, and like you mentioned, your other stops along the way. I'm sure it wasn't always easy at ESPN. I mean, you were there in the years when, you know, the, they had the hockey rights. They didn't have the hockey rights. Really quick, what was that like trying to carve out, you know, hockey's niche and hockey's place at ESPN? Well, uh, that's a good question because it was interesting. When I got there, when the magazine started in 98, uh, you know, they had the hockey package. So uh, we were more directly involved. There was more opportunity, I would guess, from within to pay attention to hockey. I think over the years, really, even after it left at ESPN magazine, the editors and the people there really did try to, to pay attention to hockey and to give hockey its uh, proper place. I don't know if that was always the case, you know, on the television side, but the television side is driven by a lot of different things. You know, you think about the numbers, the ratings numbers that happen. That's like minute to minute that goes on in television. And so it's a little bit of a different animal, but uh, we had a lot of people that loved hockey over at ESPN, particularly in those early days. Uh, they gave me opportunities to jump in on the other platforms to come up and do NHL tonight. Uh, you know, with Billy Pito and then John Buchagras and Barry Melrose and all those people and great people behind the scenes, Paul Palmer, Julie Marios, Josh Bernstein, who I still work with today at the NHL Network. So, uh, and I'm leaving out about a thousand people. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a great opportunity for me. I mean, I got, I always wanted to get into the business. Uh, I had been, I lived in Dallas when the Dallas, when the Minnesota, Minnesota North Stars arrived in Dallas, I was working for a, a hockey magazine down there at the time, oddly enough. And, uh, I made a real lot of good connections with people within the Dallas Stars organization, ended up leaving and going to be a pro scout for them in the New York area for a couple of years. And that was a great learning opportunity for me. And the lesson I would tell anybody out there is when you get an opportunity like that, do more listening and less talking. And I tried to do that and really learn from a lot of great people, uh, great hockey minds, uh, you know, over the years that, you know, Ace Bailey sticks out to me. Sadly, we lost him on 9-11 and that tragedy when, he was on one of those flights from Boston to Los Angeles and just a wonderful guy and uh, all kinds of people that I met during that era really helped me with my uh, further understanding of the NHL game and the pro game. And, you know, then I got to go over to ESPN and, and, and the people at ESPN really did, you know, when I came to them with ideas about let's try to get in, let's go out and cover the world junior tournament. Uh, let's try to you know look at different ways that we're not covering right hockey right now they really responded. So, you know, there were some ups and downs, especially after we lost the hockey package, but really there were a lot of people there that loved the game and, and really wanted to push it forward. I'm really happy that you mentioned that because I know, I know ESPN's getting a bad rap lately with its diminishing hockey coverage, um, but it's refreshing to, 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 to hear that people, you know, the, the work that you put in and, and you mentioned um, your time scouting. 
people that outside the game might not realize it's such a small world, even at that level within the community, you talked, you talked about how valuable that was. And I mean, these are the same people that, you know, 20 years, you know, 20 years later are, are in the GM roles or in the coaching roles are yeah. still in the game. So I'm sure you met some valuable contacts there and, and you know, rest in peace to Ace Bailey, uh, tragic story, but everything yeah. that you guys do around September 11th, the, the features, the tributes, you guys knock it out of the park and, and really help tell his story. Yeah, he was, a, he was a terrific person. And uh, the best I could say about Ace, I mean, he just was so inclusive because here I was coming into this scouting community. You know, it's 1996, 97. And, you know, I'm really nobody, really. I mean, I'm just another person, the Dallas Stars, through my relationship with Les Jackson in particular there, who was the assistant to the general manager at that time and was in Dallas for many years. He gave me that opportunity. And it was really just that I went to him and I said, hey, I'm moving back to New York. Uh, I could see a million games up there with all the pro teams that are in the, in the general area right in there. Right. With yeah. I mean, all kinds of, you know, you have the Rangers, Islanders, Devils, then you have the Flyers, you have the Capitals, you have the Bruins, then you have all those American hockey league teams all over the Eastern seaboard. So there was a lot of opportunity for me to do it. And I, I went to less and we had a conversation and I said, listen, I'll, you guys see if what I do is valuable to you. And I'll see if I like doing it because I didn't really know at the time if I would. And I said, you don't even just pay for my expenses and let's see how this relationship works. I, I like to, I always tell people, I like to bet on myself in life. And that well, was an seems like you made a smart move. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think everybody, you know, you have a passion for something you want to try to do something, you know, bet on yourself. And uh, I did that and uh, we had a good relationship and I did, did that work for about three years and I had to make a decision when I got the opportunity to go to ESPN Magazine because I felt at that point I couldn't really continue to be a pro scout and it's two work. full-time jobs, right? Yeah, for well, work. I just felt there was a conflict there, to, you know, to go into buildings and try to do stories and cover the National Hockey League and yet have an affiliation with it with an NHL team. So yeah, I had to make a choice there. Are you talking to them as there. a scout, or are you talking to them as a reporter? Exactly, and it yeah. was it was a tough it was a tough choice. And I think if I would have been younger, and I think if I would have been a little bit more financially solvent at the time, I might have just continued to scout because I really loved doing that, and I love the first guest nature of being involved with a franchise. But in the end, it was a great opportunity to go to ESPN, and the decision worked out really well for me. So I can't really complain at all, and I met a lot of great people there. Well, and I can't complain either because it obviously led to you being in front of us on the TV, yeah, right? <laughs> in which you guys knocked it out of the park with the World Junior coverage. Um, you know, I, I didn't know much about the World Juniors until my first year in the OHL as a 17-year-old, and I'm in Niagara playing for the Ice Dogs, and it's like the whole, the whole province shut down, the whole country shuts down. Canada really loves their World Juniors. I mentioned that only because it's really started to change. Obviously, winning four gold medals in the past eight years helps, but you guys have done a terrific job. Um, you know, us here as, as, as a goalie podcast, but also as a Sabres podcast, just wanted to know what your thoughts were overall in the tournament. Um, and then mainly, you know, with Dylan Cousins, Jack Quinn, and then J.J. Paterka having, having a nice showing for Germany there. Yeah, no question about it. Those three players all played very well particularly Cousins, obviously he was blowing the doors off for Team Canada. I'll be curious to see, you know, the transition to the National Hockey League for him. The same with Paterka. He was part of the best, maybe the best line in the tournament with uh, Stuchla and, uh, was and, special. and Elias. Was those, those three guys were really good together. You know, and then Quinn is a draft year, is a draft eligible from this past year, right? He's just recently drafted. So he's an 18-year-old in a 19-year-old tournament. And I thought 
he did a nice job as well. I think he'll probably need some more time to continue to develop, but uh, he's a goal scorer, and that's something uh, all these NHL teams need. I, I would say one other thing about the World Juniors, it's funny because I talked to everybody at ESPN and descended me to the, to the first tournament I went to, I believe it was 99. It was in Winnipeg. And I flew there, and I stayed for the entire tournament. And it was freezing cold in Winnipeg for that two weeks. But hey, hey, must I was have there. Freezing. I was. It was freezing. I was there for the entire two weeks, and uh, you know, and it was a, such a big deal in Canada. And then you had the gold medal game that year was Russia and Canada, and Roberto Luongo played for Canada and played lights out good in the gold medal game. They end up losing to Russia in overtime, and it was a huge story. It's front page news in Canada and certainly in Winnipeg. I get on the flight the next morning. I connect in Chicago. I get off the plane in Chicago. I look at the papers, and it's as if the event never happened yeah. at all. Wild. And it was just kind of a crazy Biggest hockey feeling in the world. Yeah, you to experience. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know, you really saw how it really had no profile at all in the United States. And over the years, it's we've had more and more coverage of it. Certainly the NHL network has picked up the coverage of it over the last, you know, eight, nine, 10 years, which has been fantastic for us fans. The U S program has really developed in that time. So it's a great, great tournament. We just finished, as you guys mentioned, we just finished this one. I got to be involved with our, a lot of our studio coverage of it. And it was a lot of fun. And it's just a, it's real pure hockey because these are amateur kids and guys are trying to make their dreams come true. And some of them, their dream is just to play, in this kind of tournament. So uh, it's a joy to watch and it was fun to watch again this year. And I got to give, you know, full marks to team USA because uh, there weren't a lot of many, there weren't many people, including myself that thought they were going to win that gold medal game. And they just played very well. And, and you know what, uh, you know, we had Dave Starman on, you know, one of your colleagues last week yep. he was an absolute wagon. He was a lot of fun to talk <laughs> to. You know, he, you know, he, the way he talks about the game, his content on his own Twitter account, is honestly almost second to none. Just just the way he breaks down everything frame for frame, play by play, was just phenomenal. It was great to talk to him. We can't wait to have him on again. Um, but, you know, just go piggybacking off what you said, um, it, it is part of the culture in Canada, and it has slowly but surely been growing in the United States thanks to guys like Starman, guys like you. Um, I know we mentioned Phil O'Sayer with uh, U.S. Development, uh, you know, uh, with the goalies uh, last week, you know, he's been an integral part too. Amongst many, like you said, there's too many to name, but yeah. one of the guys that really stood out to me outside of cousins and obviously JJ Paterka, which I can't even believe just Paterka even made it to the second round of Buffalo. I know, I know uh, <laughs> Kevin Adams said he lost sleep when he, when he realized that he was available in the second, hoping and praying that he, he he'd be in position to pick him up and eventually he traded up to, up to get him. Uh, but Ryan Johnson, I, some would say it was surprised. I, I a little bit surprised me how well, good of a tournament he had. Just like your thoughts on 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 Ryan and just like where you see him, you know, going forward, his development and uh, maybe the future he might have here in Buffalo. Well, he's a terrific skater and I, he's got great edge work to his game. So you know that's obvious in a league where we are depending more and more on your skating ability. Right, the game is about speed and about skill. He's got a lot of that. So that's a huge help for him. I think it's like a lot, like all players, Roy, there's a handful. And when I say handful, I mean a small handful of guys that, hey, can jump right into the National Hockey League out of a draft year or even in the next year. Guys need time to develop, to grow, to get bigger, to get stronger, to get smarter, to be more mentally ready. He's lucky he's got a hockey pedigree there and a hockey background. But again, at the end of the day, I just think you need time to develop. I mean, the guys I bring up, 
are really some high-end players, Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr. Both played two years of college hockey. They, when, they ready, when they made the jump, they were ready to thrive in the National Hockey League and not just survive. So I think that goes across the board for any of these prospects. You have to be ready to thrive and to play to your abilities in this league. And I think Ryan Johnson has a chance to be a player, but it's going to continue to depend on his, on his development. The skating skills are there, no question. We'll just have to see uh, if he can continue to develop to get his game to the level where you can be a consistently good player at the National Hockey League level, and that is not easy. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, you mentioned the defenseman, Cal McCars, the Quinn Hughes. And like you said, Ryan Johnson, an elite skater, have to be able to get up in, in, in the play and join the offense. But I was just surprised that you didn't hear his name a lot in a negative way, right? A lot of times these, off, these young offensive defensemen, they're a liability in their own end. I thought he kept it simple, made a good first pass. You know what I mean? Picked and, and choose his moment up in the play. Um, and, and, you know, one play that sticks out is – is off of the draw. I think it was um, the last the last direct, uh, game in the round robin. Right off the faceoff, Zegras makes a good play. Like we always talk about activating a weak side defenseman off the draw in a clean possession. Does a great job shooting through his stride, getting the goalie moving laterally while he crosses the Royal Road. Love to see that. And, and I'm just hoping, like you mentioned, those two years of college hockey were instrumental with Makar and Hughes. Let's see yeah. if he can take the next step as he gets back to University of Minnesota. Yeah. Everybody, listen, everybody's on a different path. Everybody's on a different timetable. I see it with the 16-year-olds. I've seen it with kids now growing up over the last uh, several years watching younger kids. You see it at the higher levels. I've seen it really my whole life at the, at the NHL and the, and the professional levels. Uh, everybody's on their own path. Like McCarr and Hughes, they were high-end players. I mean, they were high draft picks. It was a four and I think a seven overall in their respective draft years. So for me – uh, you know, you knew those guys were going to be good players, but they didn't rush it. I can remember having a conversation with Quinn Hughes on his draft day, and we were talking about, uh, you know, that whole idea of giving yourself time to develop. And, you know, in our conversation, I said, you know, the Hawks wanted Jonathan Taze to come out of college early. And he said, no, I'm not ready. I'm going to stay another year at North Dakota. And I always felt that showed the kind of real maturity that Jonathan Taze had because most kids, almost all kids, when they get a call from a National Hockey League team to come now, they usually do, unfortunately, because not most are not ready and most could use that extra year, at least one more year in college, maybe more than that. So I kind of imparted that little bit of uh, wisdom on Quinn. And, you know, he did not know that. And in the end, he ended up playing the two years of college hockey. And I think he was so much better for it. I think his brother Jack is, a, is another example of that, Jack. Being a number one overall pick, there's so much pressure on those guys to go right into the National Hockey League. And I think Jack would have benefited by going back, playing another year of college hockey, and then being a little bigger, a little stronger, and then coming to the National Hockey League. And again, being ready, being ready to thrive and not just to survive. I think he'll benefit, guys. He really will benefit from having all this time off to just train and develop and work on getting bigger and stronger. I mean, he hasn't played since March. I think he's one of the guys that will benefit the most. I expect that he'll play very well in this uh, 56 games, shortened kind of, uh, you know, sprint of a season. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? Just, again, piggybacking off what you said, uh, some players take longer than others to develop. We, yeah. We've seen – well, we have, the way Dylan Cousins performed in this tournament, like it was, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say it was unexpected, but I don't think anybody expected him to be as dominant as he was. And I think a lot of that can, you know, you can, you, you can credit the fact that Buffalo didn't rush him. 
you know, because we've been starved, starved yeah. for talent here in Buffalo. Uh, one guy that comes to mind is Casey Middlestad, a guy who was rushed into the lineup here way too early. I said it even when they signed him to that contract that they should have let him stay in Minnesota. He should have never came. His body wasn't ready. He even came into training camp, and I don't know. There's different ways you can look at this, you know, maybe cut some baby fat, put on lean muscle. I don't, he came in three pounds lighter into camp. Meanwhile, you have a guy like Rasmus Dahlin, who, yes, is generational, um, came in 16 pounds heavier, all pure muscle, and is out there looking like Ivan Drago. And I, don't, I don't know if you happen to catch that picture of him in someone's backyard playing ping pong in those, like, those short shorts, but the guy's calves look like cinder blocks. You know, yeah. like he's yeah. he put in the work and I just it really scares me to see guys like Casey who, you know, you know, who were rushed, you know, whether it was, you know, you know, like maybe he wasn't mature enough. He saw that he saw the money and he and he made the jump too early where he has Jonathan Tayus who knew he wasn't ready and state went back to North Dakota. I, I it just scares me to see guys like him. And now, you know, you're three years down the line. He just signed a one year deal for eight hundred thousand dollars. And he was a first round pick an eighth, I think eighth yeah. overall pick. And it's just like, so you see, you, you, the guy has some great mitts on him, but the skating, in my opinion, I think Cully agrees, isn't there. And just the size isn't there, you know, his you play away from the puck is a, is a huge question mark, right? You yeah. can off the puck a lot too. Can you play, can you be a plus player? I, I wanted to piggyback off that point, Dwayne. We talked about, you brought up Jonathan Tazy, Jay. He goes to, he stays for two years and in both years, North Dakota gets to the frozen four, right? And even though they didn't win it all, you know, he, I think he won a WCHA. You know, being around that winning culture, being a part of that winning culture, I think that's so important. Casey Middlestat lost his in the, in the state tournament in Minnesota, right? Then he, then he goes to Minnesota. They didn't have a great year. I know he was a part of that World Junior year, but I think that piggybacks off his point. You know, if, if Taze leaves after that first year, does he have the success he has now, and I know that's a what if, but I just wanted to piggyback off that point, Wayne, is, is we, we haven't seen Middlestat live up to his potential. And I guess, EJ, what is Casey Middlestat's ceiling right now after signing, you know, after being a disappointment? Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's hard to say, really. And I, I agree with you. Know, listen, in, the, in his defense is, as I said earlier, when, when guys want to go, they want young people think the world's going to end tomorrow. I, I, I'm old enough to know that when I was younger, I never thought I'd be around this long. You don't think those terms. You think, you know, you think about today and, you know, especially these kids who really are eager to, this is their dream to play in the National Hockey League. So, you know, they want to rush. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's good if you have strong advisors around you, your parents, your family. I mean, but again, everybody gets sucked into it. It's, not, it's a hard thing to have to, it's a hard thing to be detached and try to say, okay, let me look at this from an outside perspective, because you're not. It's your life. It's your your family. There's a lot that goes into these things. So I get it. And some people make that decision, and it goes well for them. But I always feel like, and especially there's a case where the buzz at the draft about Casey Middlestat was, boy, this is a talented young kid, but he's like uh, soft around the edges, as you said. Like his body was, you know, he needed to start to learn how to train and how to eat better and do all those things that you have to do to become a professional athlete and then stay a professional athlete. So for me, you know, he could have benefited from multiple years in college as he started to mature and understand 
the importance of that. You know, when you're playing high school hockey in Minnesota, even though there's good high school hockey there, at the end of the day, your talent can can get you over the hump of a lot of players. But when you start to move up the ladder, and, you know, you talked about Rasmus Dahlin and the kind of shape he's in, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And some people's bodies, it just takes longer to develop, no matter how much work they do. Casey might have been putting in a lot of good work, but he probably just needed more time. So I'm not around him on a daily basis. I never have been. I just watched from afar. He's a very, he was a very talented kid in his draft year. You don't get drafted that high by accident. The question always, the question at the time was, was he going to get strong enough, uh, fill out enough, be, you know, be in the kind of physical shape you need to be in at the National Hockey League level? And so far, that's still a question. It doesn't mean he can't get things turned around at some point. But now he's dealing with a little history, right? He's played in the league. He hasn't had the kind of success he had hoped for. And now that's a little bit of a, of a narrative that's out there that only he can change. And he's going to have to put in the time and effort. And if he really wants it, he's going to have to work. And even then, maybe it's just not going to work for him. We don't know because these kids get drafted at, you know, 17, 18 years old. Boy, there's so much in front of them at that point. Uh, I give the NHL scouts actually a lot of credit, the amateur guys because they hit more than they miss on these guys. And that's hard to do at that age. And, and you bring up a good point. Sorry, Dwayne, I'll be quick. The so Sabres, I, and, and you, you look at what, why, why they've been mirrored in, in, you know, mediocrity are, are there's no, there's been no consistency in the, in the front office. Right. And a lot of times you're drafting these kids and they're three, four years out. Uh, but we, we haven't hit on a lot of the second and third round picks. Right. And, and, and we just talked about one in Ryan Johnson. But when you miss on a first in Nylander and another one in Middlestat, that puts you in a tough spot. So, I mean, I, I like the look of our, our, our roster a lot more now, um, it, you know, with, with Cousins coming into the mix. And I, I like what he did going back for a year, playing well at the World Juniors. Um, where, where do you see him, you know, if, if he plays to his ability, can he flourish in, in a third-line center role this year, or, or is that too much for him? Well, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough job because that third line center, in a, in a, you know, is asked to do a lot of things, right? He's asked to, uh, to be a really good defensive player and win faceoffs and to, to play against another team's uh, top players sometimes. So, you know, I, I think, I think that Ralph Kruger is someone, I think that they they have Ralph and I think Ralph understands development. So that's a plus, I think there. Uh, I think he's got, you know, Ralph has had a year under his belt now. He was out of the NHL for a while. I think, no matter what anyone says, I mean, he was not here, you yeah. know, he was doing soccer, whatever, you know, he was out of the picture of, of, of professional hockey for several years. He's back. So now he's at least got his, uh, you know, he's, he's got his feet underneath them and he's back into what's happening. Oops, let me get rid of that. <laughs> and we're back. All right. So the, um, so I, I think that the organization there is settling out. I, Kevin Adams, I think, you know, he doesn't necessarily have that experience that some managers you would maybe want to have in a manager. But I think Kevin is a really, you know, my dealings with him when he was in Carolina as a player is like he's a straight shooter and he's a hard oh worker. And he's not, you know, his his agenda is winning. And I think his the people around him, I think they're all going to kind of be on the same page. And it won't be a scattershot thing where people are, you know, maybe not all on the same page. So. They've got a lot of talented players within their group. I always say it. They got the two pillars, which you need to have success, Eichel and Darlene, a number one center, a number one defenseman. So right there, you have a chance to start winning. 
They've got a number of good players around them. Cousins is one of those guys. I think Cousins could go on and be a really good player in this league. Got to find exactly where he fits. That takes some time. Uh, the question I have for the Buffalo Sabres, really more than anything, is where are they with the goaltender? You guys are goaltenders. I mean, oh, maybe you're available. Calling us out. Well, He's like, calling us out. I was. I mean, I was... maybe you guys, maybe you guys can jump in there because. I know, like, you know, Carter Hutton is a terrific guy, but he seems like he's a two. Linus Allmark, everybody says how there's a lot of talent there, but he's either always hurt or he's inconsistent. And people wonder why the Buffalo Sabres have had these streaks where they win eight or ten games in a row and people think they're making a move, and then they fall off, is because, like, the, the goaltending, as you guys know, it's like a garden. It, you know, if you don't have goaltending, that garden can't grow. Those flowers, that that can't grow because the goaltending submarines everything, and and the garden can't grow. Need that St. Louis is the big. Yep. St. Louis is the biggest example I always give. Now the Blues had a good team for several years, and then all of a sudden, you know, and Jake Allen has been a good goalie, but he's inconsistent, and he couldn't really find his way in big moments. Jordan Bennington comes in. All of a sudden, that garden of all those good players on defense and the way they battle up front, the confidence level in that team, all of a sudden, that garden grew, and they won a Stanley Cup. The Buffalo Sabres, I like a lot of the pieces amongst the forwards and amongst the defensemen still, but they've got to figure out what's going to be the situation in goal. I know they're talking about the the, I get the Finnish kid, uh, UPL, or I'm not going to even try to pronounce his name at this point. But they've got to figure that out for me. And when they can figure out stable goaltending and really, you know, the guy's jersey right behind you there, 39, Dominic Kasha. He was maybe the greatest goalie ever to play. Not maybe. When you not have, maybe. All right. Well, I was, not I'm, not gonna argue, I'm not going to argue with that because I always say there was a lot of great ones. But if I had to bet my life on a guy for one game, he would be my guy. So uh, it you know, look – Look at hey, look that's at, my that's my jersey far, next to his. So look at how far the Buffalo Sabres got with Dominic Koshik there. That was an average team, and I mean, you go back and look at it. I mean, that was just well, they were know, winning games a, two to one, one nothing yeah. all the time. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So, at any rate, I would say that when I look at the Sabres group, I think there's a lot of upside there. There's a lot to work with. I think they have a great chance to build a really good team for many years there around those two pillars. But uh, they have to get that goaltending figured out. And the sooner the better, because then you can start to make that incremental progress and maybe get into the playoffs and maybe have so you need that experience to continue to take those, uh, you know, those moves up the ladder. Ken Hitchcock told me one time, just making the playoffs for a young team like he did in Columbus or other places. It's so important because you can't buy that experience. So even if you just get in and you play four games and you get swept, you still had those four. You, you know what it feels like, and it's something to build on. So the Sabers, you know, they need to get those get to those steps. And I think that starts with, uh, you know, with better goaltending or more certainly more consistent goaltending. You know, I agree. I agree, EJ. Um, I, me and Cully differ a little bit on Olmark. I think that Olmark has potential to be a star, a, a, a bet. I wouldn't say a great starting goaltender, but I think good enough to win. You see guys who've won cups in the in, in the past. You know, you can shake your head all you want. But I'll wait. Um, I'll let you finish. Yeah, but listen, <laughs> the guy who just retired, Crawford, he was never elite. But you know what? They built a great team in front of him, and he was good enough to win. You know, the guy before guy before him, Antiniemi, was good enough to win. Dallas this year. I think um, Niemi's an asterisk, man. That's a special team but, but, and got hot at the right time. Well, he he never yeah, that's, that's what you need. Sometimes that's what you need. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating the hand yeah. 
you know, get in on it. You're right. I see a big I, contract. But what I'm saying is we need to build that team in front of him, and then we can see if he's good enough to be a guy going forward to be good enough to win. And not everybody's going to be – you're not going to find a Carey Price everywhere. You're not You're not going to find uh, a Hellebuck everywhere. But, you know, with that being said, the situation where we don't know – we we think we might know what we have in uh, Uka Pekalukinen, and then we also have a, new, a really good uh, prospect playing over at Michigan, uh, being coached right now by Steve Shields, another former goaltender here at Buffalo, um, Eric Portillo. Um, just we, we have a couple of guys, you know, a couple of guys uh, in the bullpen that we hope could be developing into some. But again, goalies take a while to develop. And that's why I really liked what Montreal did. I know Cully loves this love point. And they went and got that. Jake Allen. I wish something would have done. Um, I, I just wish he would have gotten – he doesn't have to be a stud guy, but a guy that if things aren't going as planned with Linus Olmark, you have a reliable guy behind him. And Carter Hutton has been very shaky, very inconsistent. Apparently he had issues with his eyes this past season. They were, they were, they were throwing him out on the ice. You know, he's seeing three of everything. I don't know. But um, it's just it, – it, you know, it's disconcerting to me for sure, especially when you had a terrible penalty kill on the road. I think we were last in the league on the road, our penalty kill. And now you're bringing guys like Tobias Reeder and Cody Eakin. I know Cody Eakin's course numbers aren't the best, but you, you hope these guys that you did bring in um, could definitely you're, – you're, you're almost guaranteed that your puck possession numbers are going to be a lot better than last year. I, I don't think it's wrong to say it couldn't have been much worse last year than after that hot start they had. So, but if you, if you expect your puck possessions to be number, you expect your penalty killing or you would hope that your goaltending be better. And I think that penalty kill especially is where we need to start, you know, imp- not just need to, we need to improve to, in order to make a run at this in this 56-game season. I have a couple rebuttals really quick. The, the cliche that your goalie needs to be your best penalty killer, unfortunately in the National Hockey League, you need that to be true. EJ, you touched on the lack of consistency from the Sabres and Dwayne, it's not that I don't like Allmark. I just don't – I think at the very best, if he reaches his ceiling, I think he's a good 1B guy. I don't right? disagree. Brought up, I never brought disagree. up Crawford and some of those guys. They all had special teams in front of them. And let's – you need to get hot at the right time and be consistent. I just haven't seen enough from them. The numbers don't lie. If you look at the Sabres last year, okay, in the back-to-back games, they, we had the lowest save percentage by far, okay? The reason I love the Jake Allen move – isn't because I don't think Carey, Carey Price can do it anymore. I just think in a condensed schedule, you're going to see more and more teams rely on heavier minutes for their second guy. I don't think we have that guy in our organization right now. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you, UPL can surprise us. But let's not forget, this guy's coming back from a double hip oh, surgery. Hip that, that's kryptonite to these young goalies. So I hope you're wrong. My main point, EJ, we and Dwayne talked about this earlier on. I was really hoping that the Sabres went out the, the goalie market this summer was different than I've ever seen it. If do you, do you think that there was anybody out there or still out there that the Sabres could have added in the pipes to help them? Well, I think at the time there were probably a number of guys. Let's face it. There was, it, it was like musical chairs in the summer. And, uh, but you know, there was a lot of pursuit of these guys and some of them got paid much more than I thought. I mean, you know, like a Cam Talbot, I mean, he got three years, 10 million in Minnesota. I almost fell right. off my chair the day we were doing that coverage for that because you know this is a guy that you know he's had a terrific he's a terrific story i mean he comes from alabama uh was, alabama huntsville of, baby yeah huntsville right and like he gets into the national hockey league and you know that was a real success story for him working with uh, you know the guys with the new york rangers and he becomes a backup there even when he has to get thrust into playing when henrik lundquist got hurt he played very well that 
kind of, uh, you know, re- you know, kind of uh, moved him along, and he ends up in Edmonton. He had a really good season in Edmonton, but you know, again, he, you know, over the last couple of years, it's been a struggle. I don't think he was great in Calgary. He was okay, but not great. And then Minnesota signs him to three times ten, and when they have a kid in their in their system in Kaku Kakinen, uh, who I think is going to be their goalie in another, you know, six months, maybe sooner. But uh, you know, so there were guys out there that the Sabres, you know, could have maybe tried to make a move on. I'm sure that uh, they discussed it probably very, uh, very seriously within their organization. I mean, Carter Hutton, I, I think, is a terrific guy, but I just, you know, I think that his best suited to be, you know, kind of a, a, like just a complete number two to a guy that's really the high end number one starter that's going to play a lot of minutes. And you know, your point about Jake Allen is so true. We're seeing it more and more now in the league we saw it in buffalo excuse me we saw it in boston and in dallas where you know in boston they went out and got you know yara halak dallas went out and got hudobin you saw how valuable he was for the dallas stars i think more and more teams are looking at having that you know having a really more reliable number two guy and in montreal uh you know they have carry there has had so much pressure on him over the years now they have a better team it looks like going into the year they bring in jake allen who is a I think, again, he's an experienced number two. I, you know, I think that's a really good role. In that role, he's among the better guys you could get. As a number one, not so much. But as an, like he was really good in that role in St. Louis. I think he'll be good in that role in Montreal. And, uh, you know, that's where, you know, I look at Buffalo and I don't, you know, I see a big void. I know I talked to Marty Biron and some of the other goalie guys Marty. out in Buffalo. And, you know, I look at it differently. I mean, maybe they know, know these guys personally and that weighs into it and, you know, they watch it maybe more closely. They've seen, you know, more games from, from Linus Olmark than I have. I think there's potential there. There's guys I know really like him and think he could be a player. But at this point in time, the Sabres need consistency in the crease because the defense is still growing. And those guys, they have to be able to turn the centers and the, the fourth. They have to be able to look at that goaltender and know, all right, this guy's going to be solid for us. He's going to be consistent. Yep. And when that goaltender starts to have rocky moments, it just impacts the rest of the team. And it doesn't mean that the other players don't have issues as well, but it undermines everything you try to build when your goaltending is subpar. So that's why I talk about it a lot with the Buffalo Sabres. If they can fix that or get it to be more consistent on a game in game out basis, then all of a sudden you can see that incremental growth and you can see this team start to move forward. Well said, EJ. Well sure. Consistency for sure. And, you know, before, you know, we get into, some other moves that Kevin Adams made with obviously uh, the Taylor Hall signing Cody Eakin and, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, Jack like will continue where he left off last year. Um, just one last point on the goaltending. I've always been calling those. I've always been a big advocate of not paying your goalie a ton of money because again, it has improved in the past that you can win with, without having to do that. You know, you look at guys like Carey Price and their contract, which kind of handcuffs, um, Kind of, kind of handcuffs them from a cap situation. You look yep. at Florida, who's, in my opinion, already has kind of an internal cap, and now you're paying but Bob $10 million a year, and then you go and draft Spencer Knight, which was kind of a head-scratcher for me. Not that he's not good enough. I mean, but I, honestly, when he's ready to go, are you going to be willing to part? I mean, what are you going to do? You gonna, yeah, gonna, there's you, still too much term left on Bob's deal. You're going to make Bob a 1B, or are you going to make Spencer yeah. Knight a 1B? That's just like, yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I fully agree, man. We got to get that situation figured out. We hope that Linus Olmark might continue to the improvement that he showed last year uh, compared to pre- prior year before that. Um, but again, I, 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 you know, I look at guys like, 
you know, and this is just a pipe dream for me, honestly. And I've said this a couple of times a few weeks ago that, you know, you look at the situation in Boston, you know, I'm not sure what's going on with Marshand. Uh, you know, I, I know he was hurt. I know pasta uh, is hurt too. You know, they, they lose Chara, you know, they, I'm not saying they're trending down, but if push comes to shove come deadline day, he only has one year left on that contract. Um, is he a guy that they're going to resign? Is he, you know, are they going to move, move on from him and try and bring in a lot of pieces? I think a guy like Tuka Rask can get you a lot of pieces at the deadline, you know, not saying for Buffalo, but do you think a guy like Tuka Rask might be available at this deadline if things aren't going to go in as planned in Boston? Well, I, I think it. I think if things aren't going as planned, uh, I think it's possible. I mean, uh, you know, Tuka's an interesting guy. Um, he kind of goes along to his own drummer, and uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Tuka at the end of this contract will retire. You, you know, that's something that I've I've heard whispers of that being a possibility. So, um, but he's a terrific goaltender, and uh, I know there was a couple of teams that I talked to that were kind of trying to kick tires on that to see if there was any interest coming out of that. You know, the return to play where you had, you know, Tuca for personal reasons left the bubble. There was some, there was some, you know, what people wondered, like, okay, could he be, you know, would he be able to go back to Boston, you know, but in the end, I think, you know, we look at it from the outside differently than those guys look at it from the inside. And, uh, you know, it was a personal issue for Tuca and, and that's what happened. And everybody's kind of moved on from that. But, you know, I, I expect the Boston Bruins to be a little bit maybe of a bumpy start because they've got some new young players in there. And you, as you mentioned, Pasternak and Marsh Marshawn are coming into this, uh, coming D. off surgeries and injuries. But I, on the left side. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, they're, they're, it's going to be an interesting first, I think, month or so for the Bruins to see where they're at. They have great culture. and They have great people in that room. And so that might be able to carry the day. I mean, I think, again, going back to Buffalo, that's something that the Buffalo Sabres, you know, and I think that Kevin Allen is, or excuse me, Kevin, Kevin Adams is trying to address is I think he's trying to kind of create that culture in, you know, within that room, just like in the, with the Buffalo bills where they've trying to create a different culture over the last couple of years. It's so important. And uh, that's really job. That's really one of the job one kind of for the, for the Buffalo Sabres is to create that culture that, you know, in that room, winning is the only thing that's acceptable. And, and you hit the nail on the head. What the Pagulas got right with the Bills is they, they, they hit a home run in hiring McDermott and Bean right away. Where you've seen them miss with Bottrell, um, you know, with Dan Bilesma, with these other picks, right? I'd like to think I'm optimistic that we have the right people in place. I'm a big fan of the way that Ralph Kruger communicates. I think that you see that this younger generation of players, um, you know, we saw the fallout in Toronto with Babcock and Marner and those stories coming out, right? I'd like to think that Ralph Kruger is, is um, you know, one of his best skills is communicating, right? Um, but what I wanted to ask you, my last question, because I, I, you've been more than gracious with our time, and just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Bud Ends. Um, in, in the condensed schedule with the new division, you know, who, who does Buffalo, like, who do you see being, like, locks? For me and Dwayne talked about it. I'd like to think Philly's going to be really competitive and probably lead the way. Um, both New York, you know, the New York Rangers obviously added some pieces and, you know, you get Lafriere in the mix and Kako Kako's a year older. Um, they, they, you know, they have their goaltending there. Um, but outside of that, like um, New Jersey, can they make the next step? Washington, what are they going to look like? Is it, is it possible or are we being too optimistic to think Buffalo can, can sneak in with this new format into the playoffs? 
Well, I think it'll be really difficult because of the setup. I mean, you have eight teams, you only get four go in, so it's half of them. And then when you look at those teams, right, I mean, the Islanders went to the Eastern Conference. I mean, they went to the Eastern Conference final last year, took Tampa to six games. They bring pretty much everybody back. They add Sorokin in goal. Uh, they do lose Devin Tays, but, you know, no adoption will have more of a a more of a look there on defense this year. They have great coaching, great structure, great, you know, great culture that they've really had under Barry Trotz and Lou Lambrillo. So you got to think with that structure, they're going to be okay. And they're going to find ways to win. The Philadelphia Flyers were a team that's got moving on the upswing. You got to like where they're at right now. Uh, the Washington Capitals, you know, they made some changes in the off season. Um, you know, to me, the Capitals and the Penguins are in the same boat. They're trying to keep the window of success open for as long as possible with older star players, Crosby and Malkin in Pittsburgh and Backstrom and Ovechkin in Washington. I think Peter Laviolette coming in this year will give them a little juice. Uh, Peter's usually been very good in that first year with teams. And uh, I think the Washington Capitals didn't really like the way things went and returned to play. If Samsonov can play and be their guy as their goaltender with Lundqvist now out of the picture, they brought in Craig Anderson, but uh, you know, I think Samsonov, there's more going to fall on him. If he does just what he did last year, I think the Washington Capitals have a chance to be in there. And then Boston, we talked about already. Pittsburgh is, in, like I said, same boat as Washington. I think Pittsburgh of those teams really could end up being the odd team out just I because, think. I mean, I haven't liked the way they, I didn't like the way they finished last year. They didn't look good in the return to play. Um, Jimmy Rutherford is constantly moving pieces around there because, again, he's trying to keep that window, ju- you know, open as long as possible with 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 Crosby and Malkin and Latang. So, uh, I think it's a really hard division. I think for the Buffalo Sabers, I always say this about teams, you know, that are kind of still rebuilding or trying to find their way, is just put your head down and do the work. Put your heads down and do the work for 56 games. At the end of that schedule, pick your head up and look at the schedule, look at the standings, and see where you're at. And if you've made progress, if you're in the playoffs, wonderful. If your team has gotten better, that's great. But that's the only way to approach it. The, the Buffalo Sabres, the New Jersey Devils, teams like that, they've got to just go out and play every night like they're in the playoffs and just try to get better every single day. And then at the end of it, you see where you're at. Because to think and try to predict you know, how things are going to play out, there's a lot of uncertainty with both those franchises right now in particular in that division. So just, and the Rangers are in the kind of a similar situation right. because although they've got some high-profile young players, they went out and got Panarin, you know, they're in a situation where they had a lot of guys last year had really great years. Are those guys going to have those years again under these circumstances? We don't know. So my advice for all these teams, and particularly the teams that are looking to push ahead, is just take it one shift at a time, one game at a time, focus on getting better, focus on doing things each every night, and at the end of it, just see where you are and hope that you did enough to get there. I, I agree, EJ, for sure. Especially in a condensed schedule, you got to take it one step at a time. Yeah. Especially when you're a team like Buffalo, you you go out. Kevin Adams, like again, like I was as a head scratcher for me when they first hired him, but everything he's done for the most part, I've I've really liked the Taylor Hall signing me at the top of the list because it just made sense. You know, he wants to get a big contract. The best center available for him to play with was Jack Eichel. Yep. You saw the season Jack Eichel had last season. I know you guys, I didn't agree with it. The top one uh, was at the top 50, top 100. You had Eichel at 15. <laughs> I thought he should have been higher. Personally. I, I... I said that I was on. That I know, I know, I know. Should be much higher. I know he should have been higher because before he had that injury to his core, he was really in the MVP talks last year. He's a he's a high end high end player. I mean, he's a top five player in this league. 
Yeah. You know, you see this style of skating people, you know, they're like kind of, you know, it's not the most normal way you see a guy skate, but his strides are immaculate. I love, I love the way he skates. I love the way he uses his body to protect the puck and just his ability to create plays and score on top of that is honestly almost second to none in the league. But with that being said, you bring in a guy like Taylor Hall on his left side, you know, we've seen the lineups that they've been putting in their training camp. They've dropped Sam Reinhart down to the second line with, with, uh, with, um, uh, Eric Stahl and one of the big head scratchers for us here in Buffalo you see Jeff Skinner down on the fourth line which is a big head scratcher for me a nine million dollar man why is he down on the fourth line I'm not going to question what Ralph Kruger does I'm not going to question what Ralph Kruger does but it, that is a big head scratcher for me because I think you know if anything that anything that with Jeff Skinner proved was proven last season he needs a reliable center to be productive and you bring in Eric Stahl to hopefully you, everyone thought to be that reliable center and now he's down on the fourth line um a head scratcher for sure. I think if you're going to motivate a guy, motivate him now. You know, Ralph Kruger, I trust him. He's got a better I pulse on that locker room than we do. I do too. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you where does Dylan Cousins fit in? I think he's probably going to be starting the year on, on one of the wings. Um, I think in the World Juniors, his speed was very, you know, people that didn't expect that kind of speed, especially coming in wide on that one breakaway he had, the amount of speed. You know, he was stride for stride with a defender in the neutral zone, and he just took off and blew right by him. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things that, you know, are left to be seen here with the start of the season because we haven't seen a game yet. Just your thoughts on that, the acquisition of Hall, Cody Eakin, yeah. you know, how much further does that move the needle for the Buffalo Sabres in this already uphill climb of a division? Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think, again, they're trying – I think Kevin Adams is trying to create a culture there, trying to have players that are about winning and have had success in the past and they're going to try to, you know, set the tempo for this group moving forward. So he knows Eric from their Stanley cup year in Carolina. Uh, you know, Eric's an older player now, um, but you know, they went down this path before. I mean, they had Ryan O'Reilly there as the number two center, which was, I mean, it's, you didn't think that you could go long there. And uh, you know, it just, it just goes to show you right about the culture and about the decisions that get made. Here's Ryan O'Reilly. He goes to St. Louis. I mean, all this guy wants to do is compete and to win. He helps win a Stanley Cup. He wins the Conn Smythe Trophy. He's the captain of the Blues now. I mean, it just didn't – but it didn't work out in Buffalo. For whatever reason, that's all in the past. I mean, it does, it's immaterial, but they're trying to do this again. Now they have Eric there. Eric knows Kevin. There's a relationship. Jack is your number one guy. As I said earlier, to me, he's a top five player in the National Hockey League. He's only getting better. Um, you know, the, the Jeff Skinner situation is a tricky one because you paid him a boatload of money and he's, he's kind of a one dimensional player. He's a goal scorer, which is a great dimension, but you know, Mike Hoffman just signed a one year deal in St. Louis for $4 million. And like, you know, so now you have Jeff and like, to your point, because you've paid him, do you have to put him on a higher line or does the coach have to look at it and say, Hey, listen. I'm going to use these guys. I'm trying to win and I don't care what they get paid. I'm trying to make sense of this and give us a chance to win. So they'll have to work that in out internally. Um, at the end of the day, they are where they are right now. And we will see how things unfold over the course of this season. But uh, they do have a lot of good players in that within that group. And I think there's room for optimism and hope there just have to, it just the culture has to be better. If the goaltending is more consistent, if those, if, you know, if, uh, if Darlene takes a step this year, which I think he will, they've got a, they've got a lot of pieces there. So, uh, you know, I think down the road for the Buffalo Sabres, I have a lot of hope. In the short term still, there's a lot of questions.
EJ, we really appreciate you spending some extra time with us. My last question, and then I got to hop on the ice here and run this lesson. All right. Um, with, with the news of Tyler Johnson, obviously with, with the, the pandemic and the, and the cap not going up, a lot of teams are in, in, in tough situations. Um, with the cap staying where it is, I think it's 81 and a half. I could be wrong. Um, Tampa Bay, you know, has to make room. He, he went on waivers today. Is that somebody that you see the Sabres potentially taking a look at? And is there a way, you know, if, if his contract is a $5 million average, which I think it is with a year or two left, um, can you, the difference between, you know, picking him up on waivers for the Sabres versus him clearing waivers um, for purpose of contract termination and then signing a new deal, would that be a possibility? I'm, I'm not well-versed in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, taking on his current contract is not something that teams have wanted to do, obviously, because Tampa Bay Lightning. And a half. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning have looked at a lot of different options, right? And here we are. I mean, there's been a, and, and this is something that Julian Brisebois has looked at over and over, docked to different teams. And again, here we are, right? So I think, uh, you know, I think Tyler Johnson, another great story, came to the National Hockey League, fought his way through the American League, uh, wasn't a highly thought of kid. He was there with that triplets line early on when Tampa was first kind of, uh, you know, kind of coming up the ladder again with Kucherov and uh, Palat. As time has gone on, I just think, you know, he's one of those guys that he's not a big guy and he plays so doggone hard. And guys like that, their bodies just get beat up over time. And that's the fear, I think, for anybody picking him up. It's, he reminds me a little bit of Ryan Callahan, who I absolutely love who was just a guy that would just work and work and work. But Ryan wasn't the biggest guy. And when you play like that, at the end of the day, your, your body does give out and, and it does impact your play. So, um, you know, if I'm the Buffalo Sabres, I'm not racing out to add him at this point um, for a number of reasons. And, but that doesn't mean I don't think Tyler is a, a terrific person and maybe can be a helpful player in some certain situations at the right price. Well, I would hope it works out for him. Um, yeah. We really appreciate you spending the extra time with us. Uh, this has been an absolute blast having you on, EJ. Uh, hopefully, you know, when things get back to normal and maybe, you know, the Sabres get in the playoffs, we can have you back on in the future. I know our that fans. That would be wonderful. Expansion draft, too. I'm really interested to see what you uh, what your thoughts are yeah. uh, with, with uh, maybe like a few weeks leading into the expansion draft because that should be a lot of fun, EJ. A oh, lot. yeah. It was you know how much well, listen, fun it was last guys, time. Guys, anytime. Anytime. You know how to get me now. Happy to do it. And uh, let's see how it goes. And you know, I spent a lot of years in Buffalo when they were in those Hasek years going up there for playoff series. I wrote a story about Matthew Barnaby when he had that hat trick on Mother's Day. Mother's Day hat trick, yep. I was all there. kinds of yep. things. So I know how much they love the hockey up there, and it'll be great to see it. I think the Sabres are definitely on a path to be a really strong team again. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, how much time it takes. Well, you know, I, our listeners will be happy to hear that. You know what I want really bad, EJ, is not just that, but I want that Buffalo-Toronto rivalry to be relevant again. Yeah, well, there's a good Eichel and Matthews. It starts there. That's not a bad oh, way to yeah. start. So, oh, it's stirring the pot just to end the episode. <laughs> I love it. Uh, thanks to uh, Bud Ends for sponsoring this episode, and thanks again to EJ Heratic from NHL Network. Uh, what, what a blast talking to you. Uh, this has been episode 44 of Two Goalies, One Mike. Be sure to tune in next week. <laughs>
The advantages I, I find in using butt ends just having a consistent grip. You know, I, I love like having a like a rubber feel. If I you know get a, a hard pass, the grip makes the vibration the stick a little bit less in tape. Akil Thomas, I played with the Niagara Ice Dogs in the OHL. If you haven't used butt ends yet, you have to. Welcome back, everybody to episode 44 of Two Goalies, One Mike. We want to thank again EJ Raddick for coming on with us. The guy was an absolute wagon. Uh, talked World Juniors, Sabres, NHL, goaltending, the works. Please check out that interview. Um, and thanks, you know, we just had on that uh, small small promotional ad from our next guest, Rob from Bud Ends. But before we cut to Rob, I want to introduce making her Two Goalies, one Mike debut, uh, somebody that works a lot behind the scenes with our creative and our social media accounts, somebody without, we would not be able to make the ship run. Haley Kessler, how the hell are you? I am just fantastic. Dwayne, how are you on this lovely evening? You know, I just had one of the best interviews we ever did with EJ Raddick, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, tough to follow up on that for Rob, but you know, you know, we'll see what we can do here. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I do have on Rob Lalo from Butt Ends, um, born and raised in Buffalo, played a lot, a lot of hockey here in Buffalo, and now he's stationed down in Puerto Rico, repping a Buffalo brand with Butt Ends. Rob, how are you doing? Doing really well, guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it, Dwayne. Haley, how's it going? Not wonderful, pretty good. Wonderful. Pretty good. Can't speak for Haley, but things are fantastic. <laughs> right. for having me on i really appreciate it guys yeah I and mean, well, we appreciate you coming on with us we just saw that uh that's that short uh promotional ad you guys sent us over with akil thomas absolutely electric um and obviously i can't wait to talk to you a little bit more not just about your product but we're just going to shoot the shit a little bit here about hockey you know we, you're obviously a buffalo kid uh, and you know, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on the situations and the culture here in Buffalo, not which was not just with the Sabres, but obviously with the, uh, Buffalo bills, uh, coming off their first playoff win in you know, more than two decades, I think it's like 25 or more years. And then moving on to the dirty birds in Baltimore for the divisional round with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting time uh, to be a Buffalo sports fan. And, uh, it's exciting to say that, you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, it looks like they're, yeah, it looks like the Sabres are gearing up for a good season. I know good vibes with the Bills. Everyone's real excited, so it's uh, it's awesome for the city. Were you a big bit? Were you a big? Uh, I mean, obviously hockey, but were you a big Bills guy? Obviously, when you were here in Buffalo too, I have to imagine you were. Uh, to be honest with you, man, I became more of a Bills fan when I moved away. I went to school out in Boston, and uh, you know, when I moved out to Boston, uh, obviously everybody's a Pats fan out there, and uh, I became a huge Buffalo fan, which was tough. I gotta be honest, man. Boston, Four Boston. years at school. I think the I think I don't think the Bills. Or maybe they won one game. I think it was that the game uh, they they shut out the Pats like thirty five nothing during the season, and then the last game of the season, the Pats shut out the Bills. So every week I would be trash talking. Every every time the every time the Bills played the Pats, I'd be trash talking, and then uh, it was a little bit of a heartbreaking uh, couple of years for me up at school. You know, <laughs> it's tough to trash talk the Pats, especially in this past generation when you're a Bills fan, man. I remember that game actually. Uh, the Sam Adams. Rumble and tumble and Chris Berman style run back the, the pick for a touchdown. That was amazing. I remember watching that with my dad uh, and my uncle. And then obviously at the end of the season, they absolutely destroyed us and embarrassed us. But I do have actually right here, one of my favorite games I've ever watched um, right here uh, from years back, led by Ryan Fitzpatrick when they beat them uh, to go three and all. 
Uh, it's Drayton oh. Florence uh, running into the end zone. You know, I think that was, yeah, yeah, it was Fitz. That was a game led by Fitz. And uh, now hopefully, you know, it looks like the Patriots time is over. It's Josh Allen and the Bills time. I am personally a Josh Allen apologist. I'll, I'll admit it. I will proudly admit it. I did not think he was very good out of, out of Wyoming. I don't know if you're a Josh Allen apologist, but I for sure am. I don't know if Haley is. Haley, are you? Um, I'm not as into football as I am hockey. So I honestly really didn't have this big following up until like Josh Allen came here. So like my brother-in-law, my sister, they're like big on the bills. They're like this, that's like, I bring up hockey and they're like, what is that? And I'm just like, all right, I can't be here anymore. But like, when it comes to football, like I really only follow just the bills and only when it's like football season. And then once our team actually started to get like good is when I started to care um but also like I grew up being more interested like my dad is big into hockey so I was like I was always way more into that than like I would literally be like sitting in my living room and you just hear like EA sports it's in the game and my dad be like oh god I gotta go watch my dad play hockey like oh it was stuff like that so I'm I don't, I just, I think that we have an amazing team now and I like, can't wait to see how far we can take this. But as like, as it comes from like the past, I got nothing for you. <laughs> well, how about you, Rob? Are you an, uh, an Allen apologist? Uh, no, man. I actually, uh, I saw that he was a stud early on. I remember, I forget who they had the at quarterback uh, when he was a rookie on the bench. It was that first game. That guy was chucking interceptions all over the field. And I'm looking at the sidelines and I'm like, why is Josh Allen not in the game? He was a rookie. Maybe. Just, you know, he had the look. Uh, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't follow it too closely. I mean, I knew that they had drafted a guy with a pedigree who, you know, he had that, you know, that, that, uh, that starting quarterback look. And that's what, you know, that you want to hope for, for a Bills fan. So I was excited when he got in there and then right away, you know, you can tell by his arm, you can tell he had a lot uh, going for him and uh, it's exciting to see him pan out and turn into, you know, one of the star athletes in the league. Yeah, man. It's, it's wild. I guess like I, I was an apologist. I watched some of the stuff at Wyoming. I, I just, I guess outside of the size and just the tools, like being a tools guy, what you want a franchise quarterback. I just didn't see yeah. it. I thought the accuracy wasn't there. He didn't really show his running ability in college either. We didn't see that until he came to Buffalo, but uh, you know, I am proud to call myself an apologist. I am happy. To, I'm more than happy, ecstatic to see where this franchise is going after the hiring a few years ago of uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. Uh, which have yeah. turned a lot of heads. I think Sean McDermott should be hands down coach of the year. And if it's not for Aaron Rodgers, I think uh, it wouldn't be even a, a, a close uh, competition for who the MVP of the league would be, it would be Josh Allen. So we'll see what, what happens there. I think, you know, Josh is making it close. I think Aaron might take it though, but you know, we're not also here to talk about football in how great things are football. We're here to talk about hockey. We're here to talk about butt ends, an unbelievable product based here in Buffalo, New York, even though Rob is catching rays in Puerto Rico, wearing shorts while we're all, you know, under the covers here, wearing hoodies and 14 different layers because it's freezing here. Uh, Rob, you know, obviously our fans want to know about your product if they don't already know about it. Yeah. So uh, butt ends, uh, hockey stick grips, born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Uh, it's where I grew up playing hockey my whole life. And, uh, uh, Came up with the idea while I was up at school at Merrimack College and played a couple of years of pro hockey after that. And uh, we developed the company and developed the brand right in Buffalo, New York. Uh, my business partner and I, Kevin Lonergan, were best friends growing up. We went to St. Joe's, uh, played hockey there. Um, after, you know, we came together later in life to, to start the business, we, we moved, you know, Kevin was living in Buffalo. I moved back to Buffalo and uh, we started our company there. It's where we're currently based. 
and uh, it's been amazing. Uh, we started in 2013, and uh, it's, uh, we're still alive, and we're, we're going strong, so we're really grateful for it. Now, uh, not to name drop or anything, you, you say you're from St. You went to St. Joe's. Any, uh, you know, have any relationships with the Gromax? Uh, yeah, I know uh, Mr. Gromack. Uh, he was my geography teacher, social studies, uh, Bob Gromack. Maddie, I, I, I played hot. Well, I didn't play hockey uh, with sometimes against, but I grew up playing street hockey with the both of them. Uh, you know, okay. uh, actually, uh, Johnny works for one of the competitors uh, for the company I work. Um, you know, I think he's in management or something. But guys, an overall uh, beauty is a wagon. I love him to death. He's a good dude. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's cool to see, uh, you know, those Buffalo relationships carry over here to this uh, interview. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know, again, I always knew about butt ends. I, I, I personally, I didn't realize they were, you know, born and born and bred in Buffalo, which is so cool to see. I mean, I, I think if more people knew that, especially, I think that you guys would definitely hell of a get, get a hell of a lot more support. Not that you aren't, but um, I, I, I'm going to do my best to, have to absolutely make that uh, people aware that butt ends is a is straight out of Buffalo and that, you know, especially being the hockey market, we are that uh, people should support this. And it's an unbelievable product. Um, again, we just saw that uh, short commercial with Akil Thomas. Um, we leave with the LA Kings, correct? Yeah, correct. LA Kings. Yep. Yep. And uh, you know, I can't wait to see uh, to continue this relationship because you guys, again, have an unbelievable product. I actually have one of your grips on the back end of my goalie stick. Uh, forget which one it is. Um, um, but yeah, I think I got it for Christmas actually. Um, nice, yeah, the grip is the Sentry knob, and uh, actually met Akil yeah, first time ever. Akil when he was a Bantam, and we had a, a little pop up shop at the Northtown Center. Uh, like I said, man, I'm so grateful to the Buffalo hockey community for you know you mentioned like obviously when people if people know you know that's why we do things like this to get the word out, let people know. But the Buffalo hockey community has really supported us from the very beginning. Uh, like I mentioned, we started our business in Buffalo, you know, and that means like you know going to all the rinks. Uh, you know, I grew up at all these rinks. Right. I grew up at rinks. I grew up at Northtown Center. I worked for the Northtown Center. My business partner and I both raked the softball fields in the summertime there. So then to walk in there, you know, years later with our product, you know, that we were trying to push out to the, to the hockey world, uh, you know, and stand there in the lobby and talk to hockey players walking through, you know, kids from Buffalo. But like I mentioned, I meant Akil Thomas was there for a tournament when he was at Bantam. He was one of the first kids to see the product and come up to me and be like, oh, this is really cool. I want to try it. He started using it. We developed a relationship that started when he was, you know, 16 years old, you know, playing up in Toronto and uh, kind of stayed with, uh, you know, he and I have stayed with each other and, uh, you know, worked on different things together. And now he's, you know, obviously, you know, having a great, you know, career right now. He scored the golden goal for team Canada last year. Now he's in LA, right. hopefully he's make the Kings and uh, you know, just relationships like that, that we've got to form, you know, through the uh, creation of this brand and this company have been uh, priceless really, man. Yeah, man. It, you know, again, like, just seeing that again, and then that, that's the dream, right? You, you know, you, you grind, you guys grinded, you went to the rinks, you did, you, you did all the dirty work to get to where you are now. And it's not easy, man. Like I'm sure there were moments over the past decade where it's like, Shit, man, is this going to work? Is this going to work? And you really have, you really have to put your head down and move forward to move that needle. So it's really cool to see where you guys have come from where you started, especially again, with the local rinks here in Buffalo, you mentioned the Northtown center. Uh, was it the Pepsi Center? It had to be the Pepsi Center back then, right? Oh, yeah, it was Pepsi Center. I mean, yeah, I, I it always the Pepsi Center. Hey, like you really the- want to go, go way back. We'll go back to Audubon. We'll go back to Clearfield back when that was the race. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you know, it, it's and it's wild, man. Like, you know, especially in this time of COVID, you know, it's it's tough to 
push a product where honestly it's tough to even get on the ice right now. You know, it, it is like, I haven't been on the ice. I've been on the ice three times in the last eight months and it kills me because same here. Yeah, you know, same I mean, here. it kills me. And you know, I bought new pillows, a new glove, new blocker, the warrior brand, all blacked out black, um, uh, black mask. Uh, oh, nice. I was getting ready to put the metallic pink on, on the, uh, on the cage because our, our men's league team, the, the heart foundation throwback, throwback to the heart foundation, the old WWF days. Um, you know, we have thick jerseys, you know, pink, okay. black, and, uh, we were, I was going to do the metallic pink cage. And then obviously COVID hits and it's like, shit, I just spent all this money on new equipment and we can't use it. Yeah, that's tough, man. I hear you. It's been a crazy challenging time, challenging year. Um, and you know, again, like you said, you know, trying to run a hockey business when there's no hockey going on, has been yeah. interesting for sure. At least, <laughs> you know, what, what, have, what have some of the challenges been, been with that for you guys, obviously, you know, again, you just said it, you know, there's no, not a lot of hockey going on. There's a big question mark with the OHL right now. Obviously we're getting ready to do a condensed schedule with the NHL. Um, you know, what, what have been the biggest challenges for you guys and what have you been, how have you been able to overcome those challenges? I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, to start our business and, you know, even up and up until, you know, just, just before COVID the, the driver of our business was, you know, get out in front of people and, you know, go to, we do a tournament circuit grind that I've been, you know, I've been going to tournaments all over the world, essentially, uh, and setting up pop-up shops and, you know, talking to every hockey player that I can about the product. And that's kind of how we got the business, you know, started and that's how we kept it going. And then when COVID came along, basically everything got flattened, you know, all the tournaments are canceled. Uh, we had a hockey camp that we had started down in New York city. That was a big success in 2019. We were gearing up for another, you know, butt end summer hockey camp for 2020 that got canceled, you know, the whole fall tournament circuit that we would do Chicago, Detroit, Buffalo, you know, Toronto, uh, Montreal, Quebec, all these places we would travel and go to these tournaments and meet hockey players. And, you know, that's kind of how we drove our, our company and like, you know, you know, all of a sudden have everything just vanish. Um, you know, it was a challenge, but, uh, you know, like everything, it, it's given us a chance to, you know, have more of a connection to our fans and to our audience and to our customers and, you know, be able to give more because, you know, everything has been moved to, you know, on the online space. So um, it's just created a new opportunity. You know, you got to be creative. And uh, that's what we're trying to do here with our company is, you know, stay in, you know, stay in touch, provide value to our customers. You know, it's more than just a hockey stick grip with, with butt ends. You know, if you buy into the company, you have, you know, direct connection to the, to the owners of the company. And, you know, we have a hockey pedigree and we have, you know, people that we're related to, you know, in the, through the, through our travels that are hockey players and hockey minds and you get access to all of that. So we've just been trying to, you know, work as hard as we can and uh, you know, keep it, you know, keep everybody excited for when hockey comes back and you know, it's good. The NHL starting up soon. Um, you know, things seem to be in, heading in the right direction, hopefully. So we can, uh, you know, get back to getting back into the rinks, which doing what we love, you know? Yeah. And you know what, it's like you said, it's been a grind um, seasons, what three days away. Um, you know, people are kind of focused on the bills here. I know Haley's excited, uh, <laughs> but you know, you know, there is a culture being built here in Buffalo by Kevin Adams. Um, obviously you already have the obvious signing of, uh, Taylor Hall, Cody Eakin, uh, smaller signing like Tobias Reeder, Matt Irwin, and, uh, uh, just to name a few. And, but you know, this, you know, leadership being shown by Jack, like the last couple of years, I think this is, uh, going to be his second or third year as captain. Uh, obviously, before he heard, had that injury to his core, he was on an MVP pace. I think putting this, probably hurt his core, putting this team on his back, let's be real. Um, 
and you hope that <laughs> to say that was something the least. <laughs> yeah, and you think you hope here with Taylor Hall on his left side, and uh, right now I believe they have Tage Thompson on the right side. You know, in training camp, just uh, you know, you, you you see this excitement starting to slowly build again here in Buffalo. Excitement that's kind of been non-existent, you know, for the past <laughs> let's be real here, a decade since the last time the team has made the playoffs. So like this could be a definitely a good time for a, a company like Bud Ends to really put themselves out there because hopefully the culture here in Buffalo is changing. Hopefully that the the attention given to hockey is going to rise beyond the rise again because of guys like Jack Eagle, because of guys like Taylor Hall and Rasmus Dahlin. So like that's where you guys come in, a local company which I think more people need to know about, and hopefully we can get you guys out there more uh, you know, visually, you know, from a social media standpoint. Um, just to get your get your brand out there so people know you exist and hopefully we'll have hockey back here again soon you know I'm itching again three times in the past eight or nine months man it's killing me yeah I hear you man and yeah thanks so much I appreciate you guys uh, you know giving us this platform and uh, you know have a chance to talk to your audience about who we are and you know the product that we have and uh, it's it's been an amazing ride and, and uh, yeah, love to get involved with the Buffalo Sabres, uh, being from Buffalo. Like I said, our business is based, we're in Kenmore. Uh, our business is based in Kenmore, New York, which is right outside Buffalo, as you know. And yep. uh, have that local connection is great. I mean, we have a, you know, a wonderful, warm uh, connection to the Buffalo hockey community, the youth hockey community, especially, yep. you know, doing all the tournaments there. And, uh, you know, I'm on the ice there a lot, coaching with a lot of different teams. I know you had uh, Michael Suda, the young defenseman on your program. He's a guy that I coached for years in Buffalo, when we, especially when we were first getting started. Uh, we sold our first grips. Like I took a backpack full of butt ends grips to the, the Pew Saints, or it might have been Buffalo Saints, uh, hockey practice from the O2 team I was coaching. And I uh, remember opening the backpack and showing the boys, uh, you know, hey guys, here's this product. What do you think? And I remember those were like the first early days. Those were the sales that we got. It was like, you know, I was Coach Rob at the same time as, you know, someone who was starting this hockey company. And uh, it was a great experience. And of course, I'll never forget it. And I'm super grateful and, you know, to be from Buffalo and then, you know, to start a hockey company in Buffalo is like the best place ever, you know, growing up there, playing there, you know, you're 15 minutes from the border of Canada. Like we were up in Toronto every weekend, you know, coming back, coaching during the week in Buffalo on, you know, at all, you know, with all the kids and everything. And now a lot of these kids, you know, a lot of the kids I coach that were O2s are, you know, starting their own companies. I got a kid reaching out to me, my buddy, uh, my kid Brownie from the, from the saints reaching out to me, just started a business, wants to talk to me about the things that we went through when we were starting a business and yeah. Fun. It's fun to see all that stuff, you know, come to fruition after all these years. And yeah, you know, I know that, um, again, you've mentioned a few names, um, you know, obviously Suda. Suda was absolutely a lot of fun to have on. Uh, actually, another kid that was coached by my co-host, Johnny Cullen, uh, former, uh, formerly in the OHL. Uh, he loves to bring that up during the show. It's funny. He likes to place his uh, old Spitfires jersey right behind him every time we have an episode, just so everybody needs to know that he played in the L. Where meanwhile I'm just a washed up men's league goalie, uh, but you know, <laughs> you know, um, you, you also uh, I believe you mentioned you have a relationship with, uh, and I Haley brought this to my attention. David Leggio, former uh, former Olympian, Buffalo goaltender. Yeah, Dave Leggio, uh, good friend of mine. He was uh, we were we were teammates and uh, we went to school together. He at St. Joe's. We played together there. Uh, we were competitors. We played against each other in junior hockey and then uh, in college hockey as well. <clears throat> and uh, Dave Leggio was one of the earliest supporters. You're one of the first guys first, to, huh? you know, jump on board and support our company. 
Yeah, he used our. He started using our grips, uh, you know, in his career and never stopped and uh, took them all over the world wherever he went, including uh, Pyeongchang in 2018 for the Olympic Games. And I was lucky enough to, to actually uh, go down there and uh, spend some time with Dave at the Games and uh, check it out. Unfortunately, he didn't get to start for Team USA, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, that's the way hockey is. But, uh, yeah, Dave Leggio is the man and uh, super grateful for, for guys like him. And, uh, yeah, he's been awesome. And if you ever have a chance to cross paths with him, you know, get on the ice with him as a goalie. Like he's a great coach and a great leader uh, in the sport for sure. Oh, I think he would rip me to shreds if he ever tried to coach me. I'm 33 now and just my, my limbs aren't what they used to be, buddy. I used to be able to flip, not even close anymore. I think I would be end up in the hospital if I tried to do go through his routine. But yeah, um, we had him on our show way back when, uh, you know, I can't remember. Honestly, I cannot remember which episode it was, but he was an absolute beaut. He just got a job with Nichols, uh, you know, a local prep school here, which is awesome. So happy for him to see yeah. a guy like him really, uh, you know, make strides forward to uh, for, further th their hockey career. Obviously, the playing days are done, but he's on as a coach. I really can't wait to see. I hope that relationship with David continues over with Nichols and you guys can, you know, you know, further your brand there, too, because, again, like you said, you want it. You want to get in these kids faces with your with your again. First off, here, here's my thing with your with your with your products is as a goalie, I used to hate on the butt end. There you, the go. End. Our, there you go. Hated it. And then like back in the day, it's not so much anymore, but your butt end was the size of this puck. Yeah, totally. As a goalie, some goalies that made smaller, some goalies bigger. You guys have made it so much easier just to pop a grip on and you're done. And you don't have to waste tape. You know, you save tape. Obviously, that's the biggest selling point, in my opinion. It's a time saver, especially if you realize you bought a new twig and you didn't put the tape on the butt on anymore. Oh, shit, I got a, bu a butt on. Whoop, grip right on. That's what I love about your product. Um, I'm sure that's what anybody who used your product loves about your product. It's just such a time saver. And for those lazy goalies like me, just right on. Yeah, I mean, the main thing really, honestly, like it was, it was all about the feel, right? It's all about the end result of the product being on your stick. Does it feel better than tape? But, but like you mentioned, the ancillary benefits, you know, the, the doing the tape the exact same way you, every single time, you always have a little bit of variance as a player. And then, of course, taking the tape off, especially for goalies, when you have a huge knob on your twig, it's time-consuming. And it's like, you know, you, so, you know, you see a lot of guys, they don't do it. You go to the rinks and you see guys and they leave the tape on their stick for months at a time because it's a pain to take off and it's a pain yeah, to redo. Yeah, pain. And then, you know, it turns into this like gnarly mess of, you know, your hands get sweaty and your, your grips get wet and they turn brown and ugly. And like, personally, I, as a player, like I need my stuff to look, you know, dope, you know, and if I got this brown moldy tape job on the top of my stick, uh, a, I don't want to take it off. B, I don't want to redo it. C, it's not feeling great, but like, what do you do? Like that's, that's where the, that's where butt ends comes in, you know, just you know start Big, fresh grip, boom, got some new rubber on there. It's essentially a golf grip for hockey sticks. Yep. Precision feel, uh, looks dope. You can reuse it, multiple sticks. It's consistent. Every single one feels exactly the same. You're not going to have any variance. I used to use twine for the butt end. I used to wrap twine all over the bat, the end of it, um, and then just wrap, like, maybe two layers of uh, – because obviously you can pull the twine down and kind of make your own, like, grip. Uh, sure. with the twine but like that's old that's really old school my dad used to do that on my sticks back in high school and middle school and you know shit like that so you know it was uh it was definitely a process I, I being the lazy kid that I was I hated doing it hated doing it so I really yeah, most, most people do most people that's why most guys if you go to the rinks you know you see guys and they they a lot, a lot of the a lot of the earlier objections were like oh it's tradition you know it's a tradition to tape your stick well I played hockey I played college hockey I played pro hockey Nobody likes taping their knobs. Nobody's like, nobody gets to the rink and like, oh yeah, I get to tape a knob today. 
as a pro hockey player, you get new sticks. And the first thing anybody ever says, oh, I got to do a knob. You know, it's yeah. like it's a, it's a time consuming thing. You want to go do other things. So we think yeah, we solve like, the buttons grip. You put it on, you get used to them. That's why we got guys, you know, at the highest level of hockey that they, they go worry about other things. They're going to go stretch. They're going to go warm up. Yep. We're not going to sit in there doing redoing knobs, you know, every all day. It's just it, it's 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 time consuming and it's stupid. And especially again, like when it starts to get where the, the tape itself gets sticky and it's gross and like you know everything that just soaks into it yeah. and just, it's, you it's, need it's knives hurt. and scissors to get them off. To get, it's like you know, come yeah. on. Absolutely. So that's why your product is an absolute lifesaver. Um, and again, any, anybody who, uh, if you want to just throw out your social media handles for people who do want to follow along, see what you, actually before that, do you have anything coming out that you, you guys want to promote anything new stellar that, you know, people should have a lookout, be on the lookout for? Well, right now, so right now, I mean, our newest grip is the future grip, which is uh, a top seller for us. And uh, we got a lot of guys using it and um, yeah, it's uh, it's a great product. And um uh we're really excited our goalie our goalie grip the century is also one of our top sellers as well a lot of goalies love it um we're working on some new stuff yeah we're working on some new stuff for the goalies right now we've been we've been messing around with a bottom paddle handle like a paddle grip for goalies um so we've got some yeah we've got some stuff in that regard it's been obviously like you mentioned before though with covid and like we're not able to go out and promote like like when we when we drop grips in the past what we would do is come out with a new grip and then we would essentially take it out on tour so we'd have a new grip come out we talk about it on our social media channels. We post photos, you know, we'd show the product and then we would take it to giant events, you know, the biggest hockey events we could find, whether that's summer tournaments, you know, with hundreds of teams, or we go to Chicago for the CCM world invite, or we do showdown in Motown and we set up pop-up shops and, you know, now, you know, people have heard, you know, they know buttons or, you know, they see us at the rink and they, you know, what's, you know, here's our new grip, check it out. And there's the field, but with COVID and the way things have went, you know, in the last, like, you know, a little while, uh, new products have been, you know, we're still working on stuff as a company, but you know, it's, we're, we're, we're tightening up here and trying to make, you know, weather this COVID storm. And then when things get back to normal, we got some new stuff coming out. We're really excited about it as a, as a company, as a brand, and there's so many different ways we can go so many different directions. Uh, the technology is taking us, you know, for new products in the hockey space. It's very exciting. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to, you You know, I, I honestly, like this year has obviously been crazy for everybody, but you know, I really miss, um, I loved my, what I was doing for years. I would, every year we were at the CCM World Invite, you know, with thousands of hockey players and parents and so much excitement about the game. And like every year is youth sport, the, the, you know, youth hockey was so exciting for me. So I really missed that this year. And uh, I'm really hoping that we can get back to that, you know, excitement for next season and, you know, get back into the ranks doing what we love as hockey players. So hopefully when that happens, uh, you know, Bud Ends is going to be there, uh, you know, with new stuff and hopefully, uh, you know, It'll be as exciting as it was the, the last seven years. Yeah, man. Um, like, you, like you said, piggyback, getting in front of these faces, getting into these rinks, that's such a huge integral part of what you guys do. Um, you know, and as a Buffalo fan, you know, I know I just want to touch on this before we let you go. Um, I know Kaylee had a question too. Um, you know, as a Sabres fan, like, you know, what's your, what's your overall opinion of what you expect out of this team this year? Um, I know I definitely wanted to shoot the shit with you a little bit about hockey. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, obviously things have been on the, the decline for the last decade. Hopefully things are, you know, trending up and the Sabres are starting to move that needle in the right direction. What are you looking most forward to as a former player, as a form, not as a current fan and just I'm from the outside looking in? Uh, well, again, as a Buffalonian, I'm always looking and excited for, uh, you know, it's good for the city when the Bills do well and the Sabres do well. Obviously, want, you know, excitement in the city. 
this year especially was very exciting. Uh, as, as a Buffalo-based company, we had a player, uh, Zemgus Gergensens, uh, using our grips all over the summer. We, had, we developed a relationship with him, and it was really unfortunate to see him go down in training camp with that hamstring injury. Personally, you know, as a, as a where I get a lot of excitement, you know, in my hockey life, you know, as a former pro player, uh, I'm not a super fan of any of the teams. I'm really like, it's, it's butt ends chalk. Like I'm a fan of butt ends players and teams that have guys using butt ends players, whether that's NHL or, you know, the 09 team or peewee teams, like any team I, that has, you know, people using our product on the ice is, is very exciting for me. You know, obviously, you know, as a young kid to see NHL players using your stuff is super, super cool. And uh, we were really excited as a, as, as a business to have a, a Buffalo Sabre. It was a real honor to have a guy like, you know, Gergensen's, you know, using our product in, in the game. And he had him, you know, using them in training camp. And it was really a bummer for us to see him go down. Really bummed for him. You know, he was looking to have a good year, had a new deal. And, uh, you know, he was a big part of this team. It's going to be a big loss, to be honest with you, filling, a, filling his role. So that was a letdown. Um, but, uh, you know, again, just excited for the city, excited for, you know, the team looks like they, you know, they got a good chance here this year. Um, but, uh, personally I'm, I'm, I'm watching all of our guys and, uh, you know, we've got guys scattered all over the NHL. So it's, it's really fun. Every night you can flip on a game at, or, you know, not every game, but some games you can flip on a game and you can see a guy using butt ends grips. And like, that's where I get a lot of enjoyment, you know, watching hockey these days. When it comes from like somebody who has, like, I don't, I've never played hockey. I've always just like enjoyed watching it. Like my cousin played when he was younger and like, I would always enjoy going to his games. Cause my aunt, they actually live in Watertown. So it's like three hours away from here, but I would always get so excited. My dad's like, Jack's got a tournament. We're going. And I was like, Oh hell yeah. Even though it wasn't like professional, but I, this is like, I mean, it could sound like far-fetched, but like hockey to me is like slightly my sanity. So it's like, the seasonal end and I'm like okay three months it's basically like a little bit of a school year it's like my summer break then they'll be back and everything and then corona hit and I was like what am I going to do so I actually spent most of this time re-watching like all of the like roads to the winter classics of like all of these different teams and then I never knew that they did one for like the Sabres and everything and I found one and I literally was like oh my god dad you're not gonna hear from me for six hours it's not happening just leave me alone and everything but like when you see like all of these like new kids getting brought up and like, especially like starting on like your team, like, you know, Dylan Cousins is coming up here and everything like that. You see these kids, it's the same thing with like Darlene and it's the same thing. And, you know, Dwayne judges me on this, but it's the same thing for Risto when he got here. Like you see these like kids and I mean, like, I just love him. Okay. Don't judge me for that. But like, when it comes to like the kids like Darlene, like you see them and you see like where they started and like where they progressed to, like you've seen him go from like, yeah, this kid's super good at what he's doing. And you could tell that he loves it, but it's like every year that progresses, you're like, he's going to be something. He is going to be something big too. So it's like, I get excited for things like that. Like as well, like being like, I want to see what they're going to bring this year. I want to see if it's going to be like progression, regression, like whatever. But it's like, when you see like what they're fully like putting into the ice, like you can tell, like, it was like with Jack last year, like you could see it that he was just like, you could tell and like everybody around there, like he's giving up. They're like, he's, breaking sticks on like the goals he's like he's getting mad and like you know but like um it's just all of that is the stuff that I'm looking forward to for this year and just really looking forward to all of the new people we got because there's a heck of a lot of people that aren't on our roster anymore <laughs> yeah that's super cool I mean I'm a former defenseman and I gotta be honest like it's so fun to watch Rafa's play hockey like he's so good and it's like it's interesting to hear from you 
like you're excited to see his, him as a you know, progressing as a hockey player. And I think you're going to see like, you know, defensemen in the NHL, typically like you don't, you don't hit your prime until you're like 26, 27, 28. Like Darlene's still, Chara is still a thing. Gonna, <laughs> exactly. He, Darlene's got so much upside. It's going to be gross. He's going to be one of the top players and he already is one of the top D maybe, I, but like he's going to be so good. Um, so great, good stuff for the Sabres. I mean, like that's, that's the guy. I love Darlene. I love his game. I met him too. Like, uh, you know, I, anytime I see a Buffalo Sabre, I'm always like, Hey, what's up, man? I got these grips. You want to try them? Da, da, da. And like, I saw <laughs> Darlene, I've seen I've talked to all those guys. Like uh, Dali's cool. He, he's a cool guy. He gave me, he gave me, uh, you know, uh, the time of day. Uh, and it was, it was cool about the whole process. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's super fun, but yeah, Darlene's awesome, man. You know, and, and that's what it's about, man, making those relationships when you are at these events and you are, you do have the opportunity and that's what like kind of separates companies like you having somebody like you at the front of it, maybe from other companies that don't succeed because you have to have that courage, that outgoing personality to try and create those relationships. Some people may have seen a guy like Ross Dalene, number one overall pick generational player, and may have not been willing to approach him. But if you want to succeed, it's, you, that's what you have to do. I talk to everybody, believe yeah, me. It's, you, you have to plant that seed. You have to plant the seed and hope it grows into something, whether it's yeah. months or years down the road, they'll remember you. It's like, oh shit, you're robbed from that company butt ends, man. Actually, you know, I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of taping my knobs. There you go, that's it. You know? Exactly you, know, right. it, you know, it might be a little bit easier sometimes for, for, for some players when they do have like a training staff and equipment staff. But if, if, if you're a, a player and you specific, have a specific like way you want your grip to feel like you're doing it yourself every single time. And then you have companies like you that step in that can actually maybe mold a specific grip for a player that makes it so much easier for them. And that's why I think your product is so friggin' cool, man. Yeah, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, just to have the chance to work with guys, you know, like some of these top athletes, uh, like we recently, uh, it was exciting for world junior, uh, the Tim Stutzla from team Germany. He's a guy that hit us up over the summer and we, you know, what's it? Yeah. He's, he's the man. I love, I love him. Man. He's great. So he hit us up over the summer, you know, was interested in the field, wanted to try it. Um, you know, we, we sent him some grips. He's like, I really like these grips. We started a relationship. Next thing we know, Boom. He's on team Germany, lighting it up at world junior. Now he's in Ottawa. He's got our, he's using our product. And, uh, just like that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, but that's what you said. Like you have to talk to everybody. I literally had a call with my guy that uh, helps us out. My shot out my man, Josh Rollman, hockey sniper. He does all of our social media behind the scenes with us. And we're doing projects about what you just said, where we're going to be doing individually targeting all NHL guys and just hitting them up on DMS. I mean, like, yo, you want to try our grips? That's how we get our guests, man. That's how we get our game. Uh, it's a numbers game. You know what I'm saying? You reach out to a hundred people, you get 10 appointments, you get three deals, dude. That's, he's that's the like me. He's <laughs> just like me, man. Like, you know, we, that's how I got EJ Raddick on the show. I just tweeted that's at awesome. him. Like, great booking, man. That's Yo, a great this, this is the way oh, I, 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 that's how I got on the show. We, we sent you a message. Right? Yeah. Right. This is the way, this is the way I see it, man, for any guy or girl or whatever guy, or girl, however you want to view it, that, you know, wants to be successful in this, you have to be willing to ask. It's like when you approach a girl at a bar, What's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say no. 30 seconds later, you're on to the next one. And you're in, you're in, you're, your situation is no different than 30 seconds before. So, like, you can't, be, you can't have shame. You can't be afraid to have somebody say no to you or reject you because it's just on to the next one. EJ yeah, Raddick, you know, he put me on cloud nine there for a minute because I'm a big follower of EJ Raddick, have been for a long time. And I tweeted at him. And not only did he follow me, which was 
awesome. It's EJ Raddick. But he personally DM me. He's like, yeah, man, I'll absolutely come on your show. And then he sent me his, then he sent me his contact information, which is even cooler. It's like, dude, that's yeah, sweet. It's super cool, man. You, well, I, I'll be honest. Like, you got, you know, we got on the show here. We, we, we set up the time. I was listening to your, to your show. And uh, I was excited to be on it because it was, it's a good show. You guys do a great job. And, uh, you know, the way that you interact with your guests is good. And I was excited. So, um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. And like you said, and, and it's good advice. If uh, you want people to, you know, find out about you, you got to be willing to put it out there. And you guys have a great product. And, then uh, you know, the sky's the limit. Just keep hitting people up. And, um, yeah, it's exciting. It's like the, the same thing that I have to do. Like, I'll go message whoever I would see fit that – Mostly I get information from Dwayne and I will be like, look for this or this or this. And then I reach out to these certain people. I've had a lot of missed shots, but they've all of the people that I have heard back from. I always get like such positive like reactions from them. Like I've talked to Marty Baron before, like I messaged him and he within like a couple hours messaged me back. And I was like, and I felt like super cool because like I'm just a random girl from like Eden. Like nobody knows who I am but you hear things back from like, I'm like, I talked to Marty Baron and stuff like that. So it was actually the, exactly like what he said. If you don't like try, try. like you're not going to get a response. Yeah, yeah, They're not sure. just going to one day appear in your DMs and be like, I heard I be your thoughts about me. Like not chicklets. We're not, we're not, no. sure. <laughs> we can't, we can't get people asking to come on our show. And just like, just like the famous quote, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take dash Wayne Gretzky dash Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the office pump there but rob just before we let you go again we appreciate you having you on man i can't wait to build this relationship and really pump your product out there um it's something that people are especially in the western new york area need to know about need to know exists because again you are a local business for us and if anything we should be pushing local businesses right now and uh your product is something that needs to get out there especially with hopefully with this vaccine coming around hopefully COVID is on the decline and we can get back on the ice and get these grips on some of these sticks. Uh, you know, anybody who's buying a new twig, definitely. I had some quick questions for you before you just dipped on out of here. All right. Sure. What do you got Haley? Well, I like to ask this kind of question as somebody who's like lived here and then moved away. But when you left here, what is something that you miss about being from here? What do I miss about being from Buffalo? What do you miss from Buffalo? Uh, obviously the buffalo food scene is off the chart Number one <laughs> yeah you know how it is uh you know you can't get the same kind of beef and wick you can't get the same chicken wings everywhere else it has that buffalo flavor chicken um, wings that are not from <laughs> buffalo are not chicken wings okay i'm just gonna say that <laughs> exactly i need that chunky blue cheese you know i can't be having oh, any blue cheese. <laughs> blue cheese is off the charts man and when you say beef on whack i used to work for charlie the butcher when i was a kid man I used to love getting their beef on whack and prime rib sandwiches, dude. They're second. Oh, man, Charlie the Butcher, man. I remember when that place first went open. Like, uh, Charlie the Butcher's my cousin, best my in cousin, show. My cousin was like uh, a, a carver there, man, and he got me a job. Right as a by the airport? The one by the airport? That, yep. that class, the original? Yeah. The original. My, my cousin Aaron got me, got me a job there, and uh, eventually they kind of opened up shop and some gas stations. I worked at a few of those, and then uh, as a kid, obviously, I moved on, but you know, I used to love getting that free beef on whack or free prime rib sandwich, man. The horseradish, the whole nine yards. It was unbelievable. Gabriel's gate for chicken wings or barbell or, you know, wherever you, I, I like dive bars. I like dive bars for my wings. Those are the best places. Uh, yeah. yeah. DBGB's, DBGB's wings. Shout out DBGB's. DBGB's. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's more uh, out towards me, but there's a place called East Eden Tavern. Their wings are bomb. Wow. Amazing. Right. They have like char pit wings. 
Yeah, honestly, but my favorite wing ever and they closed down before COVID even was a thing that was called. It was honestly the shittiest of shitty bars in existence. I sorry for the language, but it's called the pub. It was on Broadway in Depew. And okay. it was like it, it was like one of those bars that like you're kind of afraid to walk into, but their wings were absolutely phenomenal. I miss their wings so so much. I wish they never would have shut down, but you know, there's plenty of other places to pick from in Buffalo. Yeah, I, used to work at, uh, I used to work at autos on uh, Union autos. Road. No way. Oh, yeah. I love autos. Yeah. That place oh is my God. Right to my grandma's. Great, right way, grandma's. great people, great owners. Shout yep. Out yep. yep. <laughs> I, uh, great. Uh, I live there. We're up the street from my grandmother. So every time we go over there, we make sure to try and stop over at autos. Great yeah. food, man. Great food. Um, yeah. but with that being said, Rob, I don't want to keep it too much of your time. If you just want to pump out your, uh, your, yours and butt ends is social media handles. I'll obviously do the same on our accounts. I uh, just want to give that information to our listeners. Yeah, sure. Thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, if you guys want to check us out, it's uh, everywhere on the internet at butt ends, B U T T E N D Z. And uh, my Instagram is R dot Lala, R D O T L A L A. If you want to hit me up there and uh, yeah, say what's up and uh, try out a grip if you haven't. And uh, thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem, Matt. You know what? We're going to be pushing this relationship forward for sure. Um, I love, I, I love what, I love your product. I think that again, it's something that people need to get in their hands, especially if you're a young hockey player, a young hockey player, like young, lazy hockey player, like I was who hated tape. Oh, like Rasmus Dahlin, a young, <laughs> young Rasmus Dahlin. No, try. Yeah. I was a young, I was a young Dwayne Steinel who wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> but, but, um, oh, well, yeah, we love you guys too. That's great. So, all players, um, all. Awesome. All right. So, um, but with that being said, guys, this has been episode 44 of Two Goalies One. Mike will be back with you again next week. Uh, Cully as well, obviously. He won't be on the ice. Uh, and thanks again, Rob, for coming on. Thanks for Haley for making your debut here with us. And thank you for uh, having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, nice job, Haley. Yep. Yeah, and uh, we will catch you next week, everybody. Two Goalies One, Mike. Jason Bottrell, do you like it in this city? I've been watching all these games and well, this team's not looking pretty from my view. The spotlight shining bright on you to make a move. Hey Jason Bottrell, I'm sure things are not that easy, but your answer to our scoring woes was Johansson and VC. Well, it's true. Without Jack Eichel, we'd be screwed. What would we do? Oh, you gotta do something. 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 Gotta do something. Hey Jason Bottrell, that O'Reilly trade was rough How could you think that Patrick Berglund and Saboka were enough? It sounds insane But I hear O'Reilly's doing great So they say Hey Jason Bottrell, I just hope you have the answers Cause our ring's starting to look and feel Just like the Florida Panthers and it's tough it's a situation where this sucks 
enough's enough Oh, you gotta do something 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 thousand days seems pretty long The team we had was one so strong I think about 2006 each day The whole league just makes fun of us And we just laugh along Because it's a way to deal with all the pain Batril, I'll just say to you I really hope you get us through We have all these defensemen that don't play Make a trade Jason Bottrell, I don't have much left to say Because like Risto and Ryan, I've lost my love of this game And it's a shame At least we have the Bills to play postseason games Oh, you gotta do something 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 Gotta do something